Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me, Pastor James, coming out of Sar Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. We are walking through God's Word one chapter a week, and today we get to Exodus chapter 18. Now, as we say every single week, if you've not read this chapter in the recent past, go ahead, press pause, read it, and then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow. Last week, we took a little bit of a break. Uh, We didn't put out an episode last week, so don't worry, you didn't miss anything. I was invited to teach a Bible college class for Calvary Chapel Bible College in Europe and uh, just needed the time to prepare for that. So Exodus chapter 18 begins uh, verses 1 to 5, 1 to 6, really. We see this family reunion, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now, we've seen uh, Moses' father-in-law before, back in chapter 4, and uh, known of by a different name in chapter 2. And as Moses kind of set off back down into Egypt to kind of put the exodus in motion, his uh, wife and two sons were sent back to be with father-in-law. And if you read around this, a couple of explanations, but probably the most likely, uh, in my own opinion, is that Moses didn't want them to see the, the bondage, the slavery, the conditions down in Egypt. And he just wanted to keep them safe, really, as you very naturally would. So he sent them off to be with uh, their granddad. And now they're out of Egypt, Jethro's been keeping tabs on what's going on. And he's come back for a bit of a family reunion. So there's Jethro, uh, there's Zipporah, Moses' wife, and the two sons, Gershom and Eleazar. And they come back together, and Moses greets Jethro. Jethro greets Moses. There's lots of respect. There's lots of... Um, yeah, there's just lots of love and, and respect when they meet. Uh, look with me. In verse 7, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. So you can just picture this lovely scene, this bit of a family reunion. And then in verse 8, we see that Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. We've said this so many times in the recent weeks that God has acted powerfully, spectacularly and supernaturally to deliver his people and provide for his people again and again and again. Then we see that Jethro rejoices for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro says, blessed be the Lord. This is in verse 10. Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Aaron comes with the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father in law before God. Uh, burnt offering, sacrifices, kind of different. The burnt offering will be totally consumed by the fire and the, the sacrifices would form part of a kind of a ceremonial meal. 
Again, if you read around this, it's going to suggest that this is when Jethro was kind of converted. This is his, he's seen what God has done. He's seen the, the, the effects of it in the people. He's heard the stories of what God's done. And he's rejoicing. He's blessed be the, the Lord who's delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Offer sacrifices. Let's have a fellowship meal uh, with, with Aaron, the elders, with Moses. It's almost like he's kind of making a... Not really a peace treaty because he's not really against the family, but there's almost like a look, I, I want to be part of this. Um, praise God for all he's done. That sounds awesome. Let's offer sacrifices. And then the next day, Moses gets back to work sort of thing. And we see in verse 13 that he sits to judge people. Uh, he would kind of adjudicate and uh, give judgment, advice, counsel, uh, settle disputes. And uh, in the role that he had as a prophet, Deuteronomy 34.10 tells us that he was a great prophet, that he would give God's word on the, the subject, the, the problem, the issue. And Jethro sees it and says, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses says, well, because the people come to me to inquire of, of God. And when they've got a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make known to them the statutes of God and his law. So I teach them about God, who he is, what he says, how they should live as a result of who he is and what he says. So I teach them and make known the statutes of God and his laws. In verse 17, Jethro says, What you're doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out. For this thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now we kind of need to take this with a little bit of a pinch of salt. That is Jethro, brand new to the scene. Um, no experience of how things work in this particular context. So he's not, you know, the ultimate authority on how things are going. But he works as a, a priest. He, um, he knows what it's like dealing with people. And he's, I think his point is very, very valid. You're going to wear yourself out, which then reflects on the people. They're going to get worn out because you're worn out. Nobody wants to go and see a worn out counselor. Nobody wants to, to, to be taught by a worn out teacher. So he says, you can't do this alone. And in verse 19, he says, now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. And that's a really important thing when we're giving advice to people, when we're getting advice to people from people. Is it just from them? I'm, listen to me, Moses. I'll, I'll tell you what you should do. Or does it come with, I'll give you advice and God be with you? Because one is coming just out of human heads and human hearts, which you can make up your own mind about the wisdom and the counsel and the judgment that comes out of a purely human place? Or is this, look, let me give you some advice and God be with you in this. And Jethro says, you shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. You shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. So Moses, keep on 
representing the people to God, God to the people. Keep on being the leader. Keep on being the teacher. But look for men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate bribes, men who are honest, good, decent, have a healthy respect and reverence for God. And let them look after some stuff. A little bit of a military flavor. You know, let them judge people in thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. Kind of divide people up and assign people responsibility. Let them judge the people. And if it's, so, if it's really important, every great matter they shall bring to you. But they will bear this burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You'll be able to endure and the people will kind of continue living in, in peace. There won't be any conflict among the people. Things will work if you do it this way. Don't try and do it all by yourself. It's too big of a task for you to do all by yourself. So get some good guys around you, and they'll bear the burden with you. And we see that Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and he basically did um, what he was uh, counseled to do. Chose some able men out of all Israel, made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. You can read more about this in uh, Deuteronomy. And they judged the people at all times. Anything really difficult comes to Moses, but anything small, daily business-style uh, disputes and questions and queries went to these appointed leaders and then we see that um, Jethro leaves and went away to his own country. doesn't say explicitly, but we'd like to think, wouldn't we, that he is now a changed person, having had this encounter with God through hearing of God and seeing the people of God and hearing of the great victories of God. We'd like to think that Jethro left a different person. So Exodus 18 is... Very, very instructive uh, for us as believers now, whether we work full-time in ministry or not, or whether we don't, whether we're a different part of our local church body. If you're in ministry and if you pastor a church and you're listening to this, I would sincerely encourage you to take the advice that Jethro gave Moses. Don't try to be the solo person. It's not about one guy in a church who has to do everything. Like Jethro said to Moses, what you're doing is not good. You're going to weigh yourselves out. It's too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Get good people around you. If you're not in ministry and you've got a different role in your local church, family. Maybe you're not the pastor. What we can take from this, what we can all take from this, is that it's all right to go to one another with questions, queries, for counsel, and for encouragement. It doesn't have to be the person the guy in overall leadership that we go to with every single question, query, and point. It's all right to ask one another. It's all right to look around the church and who else is in some kind of leadership role. Maybe it's somebody who leads your home group, your small group, overseas worship and music, kids' church. 
women's ministry, men's ministry. It's all right to ask other people. It doesn't have to be the guy in overall leadership that, that, that we go to with every single question and, and query and dispute and for counsel all the time. A couple of years ago when I finished uh, a master's degree, the thesis that I wrote was about pastors and elders. How do they coordinate leadership in light of this, this truth that Jesus is head of the church? That's beyond discussion and argument. But then the Bible talks about different people in different roles, using different words. We've got the, the pastor teacher and we've got elders. How do they work together? How do they... Uh, coordinate and this chapter Exodus 18 was really really important for me forming uh, an idea a model of how pastors and elders um, work together if you're interested in that book uh, I'll put a link in the show notes but yeah Exodus 18 was really really instructive for me that look there are different roles for different people if you're the pastor if you're that that guy leading a church you don't have to Oversee, give counsel, adjudicate on, pass judgment on, give advice on every minute detail of church life. It's all right to have good guys. It's biblical, it's scriptural to have good guys around you. Because we know, don't we, that none of us in ministry have the capacity and the capability to be a one-stop shop for every single thing that pops up in church life. The only person ever to have that kind of capability and capacity is Jesus, the true head of the church. But even he doesn't do it all by himself, does he? We read in Ephesians chapter 4 that he gives as gifts to his church people with different skill sets, pastor, teacher uh, being one of them. So the only person who could be the solo guy. Jesus models Exodus 18 for us and that he gives us gifts to his church, people with different skills. So then if we are part of his church, we're part of his church body, his church family, why would we do anything differently? If the only person who could do it alone chooses not to do it alone but puts other people in positions of leadership and authority, why would we then, as those people, decide, you know what, we're going to do it all by myself? Jesus, great, he can, but he chooses not to. I'm in this role. Do you know what? Now I'm in this role. I'm not going to delegate anymore. I'm going to keep it all for myself. And that's not what it's about. That's not what Exodus 18 teaches us. Next week, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 19 where we enter this wonderful period where Moses receives from God the law with its many, many instructions for worship. We said, didn't we, that uh, quite a few weeks ago now, that Exodus 1 to 18, the people are brought out of slavery. And then the purpose of which is to worship God, to glorify God, to live a life uh, that God has said is worthy of living. And as we transition between 18 and 19, we're now going to see that God has brought his people out of slavery, now he's going to enter into a covenant uh, with them. If you would like a free ebook about the life, the ministry of Moses, uh, how he previews Jesus, and what this means for you, 
We'll put that in the show notes as well. But until next week, 